Thanks, Edwin. Good afternoon. Okay, still around. I know it's 12 o'clock. It's a challenging time. But it is a great time because we're going to look into the Word of God. We're going to begin a new series. I'm excited about this series. Uh, We have planned for this series. I think um, more than a year ago, I've listened to this uh, uh, series by Benny Ho. We have a library. uh, And I'm very encouraged about the message from the book of 1 Kings about the life of Elijah. We're going to talk about the life of Elijah. Four sermons starting from today and next week, and then we take a break of a short while we come back again. To talk about, today is about when the brook dries up, and then uh, next week talk about when you're standing alone. We have uh, uh, Pastor Raymond Sim, uh, will be sharing with us, Reverend Raymond Sim, and then talk about prevailing prayer. I will continue after a break. And then we'll, Vincent will end it up by defeating discouragement, how to live securely in an uns- insecure world. Why we want to cover these sessions? Why we want to cover this series here about the life of Elijah? Because there are some similar situations where Elijah's time faced are quite similar to today. Today, if you look at the, the financial world, it is very volatile. That's the word to use. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I think it was 08, there was a subprime thing, and then the financial world dropped. And then last week, when we were having our camp on Friday, again, there was another drop. And then uh, just a few weeks, just a few days ago, again, the things are uncertain. And surrounding us, uh, geographically also, though Singapore is insulated, but there are earthquakes everywhere, there are floods, tsunamis, and physically also things can hit. I uh, always hear of uh, situations where pastoral concern in the church where people were down with dengue, sickness. And things are a bit insecure. And then uh, we live in a very multi-religious uh, environment, just like Elijah's time. There are people who are worshipping various other gods. And in those moments of uncertainty, we look at the future, we need an anchor. We need an anchor. And Elijah found his anchor in God. And I believe that the lives of Elijah, he served as a good role model. In the midst of this threatening, lives full of ambiguity, he lived a very courageous life. So we can learn from him. And there are many things that we can learn from this guy called Elijah. Just for your information, you may ask, who is this guy? person called Elijah. Elijah, his name appeared in the Bible both in the New, Old Testament and the New Testament more than 100 times. He comes, surprisingly, uh, very little information was about him. Suddenly he come and then suddenly he disappeared. There were two men in the Bible that did not face death. Do you know who are the two? First was Enoch. He walked with the Lord and he was no more. The second one was Elijah. He appeared, he gave a prophecy, and he went through a lot of miracles, and then he was carried away by chariots of fire. What a way to go, chariots of fire. And yet, the Bible says that Elijah is an ordinary person. Let's take up the next slide. Elijah, let me read for you from the Amplified Bible. This was what was written about him from the book of James. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have. In other words, we have feelings, affections, constitutions like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again and the heavens supplied rain and, and land produced its crops. But the word that I emphasize here, the key thing is that he was like a human being, like an ordinary person just like you and I. 
And if you look at the lives of Elijah, he faced discouragement, he faced depressions, he even faced a moment where God, let me die. And yet he was also a man who see great miracles from the Lord. So we want to learn from him. But let us, before we look into the Bible more about him, I want to look at the context where he did because the context is very important to help us to know the environment. If you have the Bible, I'd like us to turn to First Kings chapter 16. Turn to the Bible to First King chapter 16. First King is just before Second King. And it's after first and second Samuel. This will give you the context. It's very important. I'm going to give, give you uh, some history. Hopefully, I can make it as interesting as possible so that you understand the situations where he is in. First Kings chapter 16, verse 29 to 34. Let me read to you. On the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. There are a lot of names here, okay? Uh, just take note. I'm, but I'm going to help you to understand all these names. Asa, the king of Judah. Then there's this guy called Ahab, the son of Omri, became the king of Israel. He reigned in Samaria over Israel for 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ithabal, the king of Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal and he built that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger all uh, to anger then did all the kings of Israel before him. In Ahab's time, Hiel of Bethel rebuilt Jeru uh, Jericho. He laid his foundation at the cost of his firstborn, Abiram. And then he set up its gates at the cost of his younger son, Sigob, in accordance with the word of the Lord, spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. Okay, if you do not know the Israelite history, you look at it and say, ah, so many names. What is he talking about here? This was the moment where Elijah, later we will read about Elijah, came to prophesy in the time of Ahab. Let me give you a, a quick recap here. As you know, in Genesis, we talk about creations. God created the world in seven days. It's six days and then he rested. And then it was a creation. And then there was a time of the patriarchs where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph and then they, were, they, went into, they went to Egypt. They were time of, of slavery, time of bondage. And God led them out of slavery into the land. And then during that time, there was no king. Time of the judges. The judges was taking, uh, ruling or uh, leading the people. And then came the time of the kings. The kings, they were united kingdom under three kings. Who are the three kings? Who is the first king? King, king Saul, he have a heart. Half a heart, half-hearted. No, King Saul, no heart, sorry. Not really a heart for God. And then King, second King. King David, full of the heart for the Lord. And then the third King, Solomon, half-hearted. So this is history, history. And then at a time when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam, terrible guy, he decided to oppress people, and then the people rebelled. They were divided into two kingdoms. There was the divided kingdom. Ten tribes decided to break away. 
the ten tribes, they take the northern tribe and they are called the Israel. Israel represent during this time is called the northern tribes, the northern kingdom, Israel. The southern kingdom, the other two tribes, is called Judah. Actually, Benjamin also part of it. So they were divided. On the top, it was led by Jeroboam. Jeroboam decided that no. Instead of the people go down to the south to worship, he will build his own worship system. So he, instead of worshipping Jehovah, he built two, he made two golden calves. One in the north, one in the south of his northern kingdom so that people can go there to worship. So he introduced idolatry. This is the land. And then the south, they continued to worship the Lord. And this was a divided kingdom time. And then God decided to judge the people because of the idolatries. God judged the people and then the northern kingdom were exiled. Northern kingdom were gone and left the surviving kingdom, that is the southern kingdom. And later on, they too rebelled against the Lord. They worshipped other gods and God also had to exile them. The time of captivities, in the captivities. But then if you look at the end part of the Old Testament, there was restorations. The people came back and then rebuilt. And then in 1948, the land of Israel today, it formed a land. And then in the future, there will be a future restoration of the land of Israel. So where is Elijah? Elijah comes on the northern kingdom time in the land of Israel. That's Elijah. He came at the time of King Ahab. He came at the time of King Ahab here. King Ahab, at the time when he came, there were seven other kings before him. And out of these seven, Ahab was described as the, what? the worst. The worst of all. He did more to, 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 in the eyes of the Lord than any other kings before them. And during the time, if you look, look at just now the passage there, there's this suddenly, verse 34, talk about this guy called Hiel. This is to describe what happened at the time. Hiel, perhaps, it was not mentioned about him. Perhaps he was one of his general, one of his leader. He decided to rebuild Jericho. If you remember, when they, when they go back during the time of Judges, before Judges, Joshua led the people there, they attacked the, the, the city of Jericho. And they won it, but they put up such a great resistance. Joshua actually put a curse. Through the Lord put a curse. Anyone who laid the foundations of this particular city, the firstborn will die. The second curse, anyone who built the gates, if you look at, uh, first, if you look at the book of Joshua, you understand, the gates, the youngest son will die. And guess what? There's this particular guy called Hiel during the time of Ahab. He ignore all these curses. He bought up. He don't care. He go and build. And guess what? His eldest son died. Eldest son died already. Must be very sad, right? No. He go ahead and build the gates. His youngest son died. And all this was fulfilled. It shows what? God's word needs to be taken seriously. And what's going to take place later is this is just an example where God's word will be fulfilled. And also it shows the evil situations where Ahab have introduced during that time. There were no fear of God. And worst of all, he married this person called Jezebel. Jezebel. Guys, if you want to marry a woman, don't marry a Jezebel. And, and I'm sure none of you want to name your daughter as Jezebel. 
those of you who understand, you just Google the word Jezebel and then you click image, you'll see various kind of images. I was trying to look for the picture of Jezebel. Wow, I was surprised to see all the evil images. It's a depict of this particular thing called controlling women. Controlling women. And this lady, she's from Sidon. She worshipped a god called Baal. Later I was mentioned, she was so idolatrous. And then Ahab go and marry this girl and then she have, he have to worship the same God as Jezebel. That is why you choose your wife carefully. Make sure she worship God. If you worship other gods, you will be carried away by her. That's why I chose Karen. I'm so glad she loved the Lord. And she's not here, but I think I'll tell her about that later. But Jezebel was a controlling woman. She controlled Ahab. And later on, when the prophets of the Lord rebelled, said that, hey, you shouldn't worship all this God. Guess what? She massacred all the other prophets of the Lord. She was such a fearful person that even Elijah got, was very fearful about Jezebel. Later on, Elijah actually ran for his life. And then when, Jez- when Ahab died, Jezebel continued to rule through the two sons. And guess what? Later, because of prophecy, she died of a terrible death. If you want to know how she died, uh, dogs were involved, horses were involved. Go and read about it later on in, in 1 Kings chapter 21. They introduced this particular god called Baal, the worship of Baal. This is the god of nature, god of sex, god of reproductions, god of... And then they even have this child sacrifice. They take their child, their firstborn, they take it as a part of sacrifice. And there's temple prostitutions. You go to worship the Lord, no, you go to worship the Baal, how? You go and have sex with these temple prostitutes. That's how the expressions of their worship. And she introduces, and then Baal has a wife, a wife is called Asherah. That's Asherah Pole. Through their, she's a goddess of love and war. Again, if you Google Asherah in the you will see a lot of images also. And through their sexual union, seems like they're able to reproduce uh, rejuvenations as well as fruitfulness. It is under this kind of oppressive environment. Elijah was raised. Elijah was raised. And if you look at the Bible, to 1 Kings 17, verse 1, Elijah's uh, first uh, prophecy. Short verses I will put on a PowerPoint. Long one, I'd like you to refer to the Bible because or else the word will be very small. Let me read to you. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As long as the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be no dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. In this time of darkness, Elijah just suddenly appeared like a flash of lightning. He delivered a prophecy. This is a dangerous prophecy because it is, it is confronting the sin of the land, the sin of the king. And this was a divine judgment based on the law of Moses where he mentioned, when you go away uh, from the Lord, these are the judgment that the Lord will brought upon the land. But he was very brave. His life, his family will be at stake. He will straight away be considered an outcast and, and a wanted man. He delivered the words and then he disappeared. Perhaps for three years or a few years. 
and there were no rain. No rain was struck at this worship of Baal because Baal is also a god of nature, god who controls rain. It is a demonstration of God's superiority over these gods. And later on, he experienced three miracles. And I'm going to talk about these three miracles. These three miracles, what is the purpose? It is to train, it is to teach Elijah, to prepare him for something special. In chapter 18, next week, is that something special? The Mount Carmel Confrontation where Elijah alone confronted many of these prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah and asked the people, choose today who you shall worship. For that confrontation at chapter 18, he had to go through chapter 17 of training. He go through this training. And this training, God wants to reveal himself to him. And out of this, every of this encounter, there were one aspect of God will be revealed to Elijah. And one assurance Elijah can have, same thing, one assurance that we can have. Elijah was born, was raised for a destiny. And to fulfill a destiny, God prepared him. Same way, you and I, we have a destiny. God has a purpose for us. You might be a student, you might be a banker, you might be a teacher, you might be a lawyer, you might be an engineer. Whatever you do, God has something special for you for your generations. But to fulfill that, God will bring you through so-called training schools to reveal Himself to you, to give you some assurance. And today we can learn from the lives of Elijah through these three miracles. What can we learn? Let's look at the first miracle, the feeding of the ravens. The first miracle, God is going to prove Himself that He is the God of provisions. He can provide. Therefore, we can have all that we need. We can have all that we need. Now, I'd like us to turn to the Bible. It's a very interesting story. Let's turn to the Bible, chapter 17, verse 1 to 7. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, I already read verse 1, let me continue. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Live here and turn eastward, hide in Kareth Ravin, the east of Jordan. Verse 4, You will drink from the brook that I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravin, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Okay, very interesting. God is going to prepare him. At the same time, God wants to protect him because he will be a wanted man after he gave that prophecy. So God brought him to a very lonely place, a secluded place called Karif Rabin. It is like God's witness protection program. Okay, God's witness protection. Under the protection program, God's instruction was very simple. Live here, hide there. Live here and hide there. When you are in God's place, you will never lack God's provisions, even though it was going to be very unexpected. And Elijah obeyed. And his obedience was the key that will enable him to experience the power of God. But that obedience will be tested later, we'll see. And God commanded these birds called ravens. Ravens, it's a category of birds where crows is part of them. Uh, if, you, if you live in Clementi, you, you understand uh, a lot of uh, 
What do you call that? Mine, is it? Mine, okay? Raven is bigger than mine. <laughs> my house downstairs, they, they, they chop the tree at Clementi Center, so they all fly to my house downstairs. My, my, my car, there are certain lots, they always see empty one, no matter how many, there's no car park lot also, there are few lots, nobody there to park because... <laughs> These ravens are considered unclean animals according to the Old Testament law. Unclean. Yet God caused the ravens to feed um, Elijah. And they are scavenger birds who eats almost anything. And because of their harsh cry, ah, ah, harsh cry, probably contributed to their repetitions. It's called birds of ill omen. When you see ravens or crows, only you. And they are despised, so-called, because of their color, and they are very aggressive. Yet, raven is considered very intelligent. And God commanded this particular bird who is supposed to be scavenger, supposed to feed themselves, He asked the ravens to feed who? Elijah. And not just one, there are several ravens, correct? Ravens. And guess what? Morning, evening, morning, bread. And meat. Bread. Raven, how to bake bread? No way. He had to steal it from somewhere. And this is where? This is, do you know what time? Time of famine. No food. Somehow, there's a miracle. And then secondly, meat. I'm sure uh, Elijah don't take sashimi every day. And even if it's sashimi, meat, raw meat, it's going to be contaminated. But he survived. Every day he have, somebody said this, every day he have air-flown meat and air-flown bread. Morning, bread and meat. Evening, bread and meat. They were daily food delivery. No need to call McDonald's. No need to call Pizza Hut. Every day it will come. It's the supernatural provisions of the Lord. And then the brooks. Again, the brooks is a natural means. It's there. So God provided through supernatural means, the ravens, and God provided through the natural means. That is the brook for him to drink. And it is a brook, not a big lake, not a river, small stream. Why? It is to tell Elijah, your true fulfillment is not in the abundance, but God is in contentment. It is in constant trust in the Lord. If God can use, about question now is, why did God use the unclean ravens to feed Elijah? Why you shouldn't choose other kind of means? Perhaps it is to remind uh, Elijah that the Lord is sovereign and supreme. That we learn to submit to His tools. He can choose whatever tools to mold us and whatever methods to use to supply our needs. And it was here. The scripture didn't say how long He was there. I believed it was quite a long time. The whole period of drought was three and a half years. Maybe it was one year, maybe several months, maybe more than that. It was a long time. He nourished not just Elijah's body, he nourished Elijah's faith to build his confidence and to remind him who is in charge. God was allowing Elijah to experience him as he trained Elijah's inner life and understanding of God. He go through a few training. The first training is called the training of monotony. Day by day, Elijah 
went through the same ravens. Every day. At first, it's quite fun, right? Oh, you see the ravens come. Oh, food delivery. Evening already. Let me see what time. Oh, no, they don't have watch. Sorry. You look at the, uh, the sunset, certain time. Hey, the raven will come. First day like that. Very fun. Next day, very fun. Third day, very fun. After a while, every day you have bread and meat. Bread and meat. Bread and meat. Bread and meat. If, imagine you every day eat chicken rice, okay? Morning chicken rice, afternoon chicken rice, Monday chicken rice, Tuesday chicken rice. Every day chicken rice, how would you feel? If you're very monotonous, you'll feel sien. And he could have e- easily left. If he had left, that's it. No more food. Because it's the time of famine. But in times of monotony, Elijah remained faithful because God was faithful. Next slide. Next one. In times of monotony, Elijah remains faithful. He stayed there because God was faithfully providing for him. The people of Israel, same thing. God provided the people of Israel every day with manna, manna. They complained a bit. Okay, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a quill. But, but for 40 years, Most of us are not even reached the age of 40 years. Imagine 40 years each manner. It were very monotonous. And sometimes we can go through periods of monotony in our Christian walk. Every day, huh, must read quiet, do quiet time again. Every day, must pray. And those who are serving, every day must do this. Particularly the PA, those who are PA, who are doing monotonous job at the back. Huh? Um, sometimes it can be monotonous, but I want to appreciate their faithfulness. Every Saturday, they come here, they will set up the system, and then they sit, they can do their own thing. Already. Then they are the first one to come, the last one to leave. And then the PowerPoint person, tick, 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 very monotonous. But when you make mistakes, only everybody look at her. Very monotonous. Oh, sound noise. Hey, Joash, what happened? <laughs> Service can be monotonous. Same thing also, our walk with the Lord can be monotonous. Every Sunday I come to church. Every day, every time, you pray at least three times a day where you give thanks for, for the food. Some people more. And then we, our Christian work can be monotonous. But in the midst of monotony, do not forget God's faithful provisions for you. Just like Elijah. We need to persevere in obedience. Persevere in serving the Lord. Maybe today, you have been serving and I think that getting a bit monotonous, a bit sien, maybe I should change a ministry. Maybe the Lord is saying, stay. He's teaching you something. Maybe in your walk with the Lord, I say, hey, can I try something? Can I, can I just give up on some of these things? Maybe God is telling you to hold on. There will be monotonous time in your Christian walk. Just like Elijah. The second training he went through was a training of solitude. He was asked, one moment he was a big guy. He challenged the king. He pronounced judgment. He pronounced the prophecy. And after he pronounced the prophecy, I believe he prayed and then there was no rain. And guess what? He became the time, a moment of obscurity. But it is in this crucible of silence, the time of silence, he learned to hear God's voice. He learned to hear God's voice in times of solitude. Elijah remained attentive to God's voice. He remains attentive. Sometimes our lives, God could bring us to moments of solitude where 
moments where we have to lie down on bed. I know Vincent already shared his experience. And others, God may bring you through moments where you are forced to lie down and learn to listen to God's voice. God is never in a hurry. He's always in schedule. When we surrender to Him, we will never be late. But sometimes we need to learn a time of solitude to listen to Him. There was a story told by Charles Swindoll in his book. Um, I forgot the name of the book. He was talking about um, a farmer. He was walking, the farmer walking in the New York City along with a friend. The friend stayed in the city. This farmer stayed in the, in the farmland. And then right in the middle of the center of Manhattan, the farmer sees his friend's hand and said, I heard, wait, wait, wait. I heard the sound of cricket. The, the city guy said, Hello. There are traffic lights, there are horns everywhere, there are music everywhere, there, there are so much noise everywhere, brakes, streakings. How can you hear a sound of cricket? He says, wait, 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 wait. He goes to the corner of the block, under the tree, he searches something, not there, and then he moves around, he removes a particular rock. He says, nah, that's the sound of the cricket. He says, hi. It is true, there is a cricket there, but how do you hear this sound? He says, my ears are different from yours. It depends on what you are listening for. Let me show you. He took out some coins. I don't have coins. Eh? Imagine you have some coins. He took out some coins. In the middle of the street, he dropped the coin. Cling, cling, every head turns. They are tuned to that sound, even though there are other sounds. But when the sound of coin turns, every head turns. What happened? Sometimes, it depends on what we tune our ear to. We will hear those voices. Do you miss the voice of God or the voice of life in the midst of our business? Sometimes God may bring us to a time of solitude, time of obscurity, so that we can hear God's voice. And then the third training that God brought him through in the first miracle, it is called the training of uncertainty. Many times God don't show us everything at the same time. He wants us to learn to walk by faith each at a time. Notice the raven did not bring extra food. Food enough for that particular day. No, that particular half a day. And then food enough for the other half of the day. And Elijah don't have refrigerator. He cannot eat half ready, then he keep. No. It was every day, it was uncertainty. Every day is a moment of trust. And then look at the brook, the stream. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It will dry up more and more. And he has to release control. He wants to control, but cannot. He, he learned in time of uncertainty, he, he has to release control to the Lord. That God is in control. So God brought him through these three trainings in the first miracle. Monotony, solitude, uncertainty. I'm not sure today what is God bringing you through to train you. Maybe there is a particular financial need that you in your life. Resources. Maybe there are other need, emotional need, needs for support, for encouragement. Maybe there is a need for solitude. Look around. God could be providing His ravens for your situations at the moment. You may not realize it. And it's the most unexpected thing. God used the ravens. God can use any other means to meet our needs. In times of need. Look to the Lord. He is the God of provisions. You will have all that you need. And God promised to supply. 
And in times when we need Him, remember the time of drought, He will be there. And then if you look at the last part of the verse, the, the brook finally dried up. No more. God is preparing him for something else. Let's read on. First King, the second miracle. Let's look at the second miracle. The sustenance for Elijah and the widow's family. God proved himself as the God of providence. Therefore, we can relax. This, this is something that I need to learn. Relax. I die. I die. Relax. Because God is a God of providence. Let me read to you uh, chapter 17, verse 7 to 16. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, where he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, uh, Bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God, your God, okay, because she don't worship Jehovah God, your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in the jar and a little olive oil in the jar. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we might eat it and die. Elijah said to her, verse 13, Do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make some things for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, say. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not turn dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So they were food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jug, jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Interesting story. Interesting miracle here. First, let me explain. What do you mean by providence? Providence. Providence means God foresee what is going to happen in the future. He orchestrated something here so that whatever happened here will move towards that directions for the good, for the good of you, because He cares for you, because He cares for you. Things that we think is coincident, actually they are orchestrated by the Lord. That's what it means. He is a God of providence. One day, Elijah discovered no more water. And he looked up, no more raven. What's next? God said, you have passed level one. Now, level two. I want to review something more about myself to you. I want to review to you, I'm the God of providence. Instead of panicking, Elijah just obeyed the word of the Lord. And the, God's word is very interesting. God said, go to Zarephath. You know where is this town? Zarephath is a home, whose hometown? Do you know? Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel's hometown. The heart of Baal. Of all places, God said, go to the place where Jezebel was born. Your enemy, number one, and she's there. Okay, this is the place I want you to go. And it's a place of risk. 
And guess what? And she reached there exactly at the same spot. She met the widow. The widow happened to be there. God promised that He will provide. Because of level 1 training, He was able to trust the Lord for level 2. He knows that God will provide. He went there at once. And He was not afraid to trust the Lord because God promised to keep it. And of all people, God used, God asked Him to go to a widow. A widow in that time, even today, this is a most de- needy person because she had to support the family, had to work, support her. And she had a child, a son, and she was undergoing through famine. There was end of the rope, hungry. And guess what? At first, Elijah asked for a drink. That's a reasonable request, correct? Secondly, Elijah asked for bread. Okay. He did not know her future, her situation. And then she explained to you, I don't have a lot more. This is the last meal. I mean, I'm going to die. After listening to Elijah, ask what? Go back, make the meal for me first. Then you make for yourself. That's audacity. It's like, it's like okay, let's say, imagine, okay, one day I die already. I passed away. Poor Karen, the only widow. Then because of my poor financial management, she got chased out of the house. There was, there was no, no place to stay. And then Edwin Chua go to Karen and say, that, can I have some water? Karen say, okay, give me some water. And then he said, can I have some... some uh, Karen said, oh, I only left $5. Then uh, Edwin Chua said, $5, that's great. Can you go down, go to Huanam there? Uh, buy for me Ho Fan, four fifty, And buy for me first. Then the rest, you go and buy your own food. That's... Imagine if Edwin uh, would do that to Karen, how would you feel? Terrible. That's what Elijah was doing to the widow. Why he dared to do that? Because he believed God will provide. He believed God will provide. And then God didn't even tell him how he's going to provide. He had this faith because of the level one training that he had experienced. And God did provide. So what does Elijah's experience teach us? teaches that God will care. God in His providence will work in the ordinary as well as mysterious way behind the scene to provide, to keep His promise, to show His care. And our response, just like the widow, just like Elijah, is to trust and obey. And God will provide. And that's it's an interesting manner where God provides. And God provides to for us, in a very interesting way, that generally can fall into two categories. It could be a built-in provisions. In other words, things that God, without us asking, God provides. Just like the sun. Every day, the sun will rise uh, from the east, not from the west, from the east to the and then set on the west. Provide for us without us asking for all. And sometimes, without us asking, God might add a little bit extra built-in provision. And sometimes, then the other kind of provision will be prayed in. Where you pray, and then God provide. You pray, and then God provide. And that's an interesting God, because our God cares for us. Let me just share with you personal examples. Um, a few, I think a few months ago, before that, our house have a hamster. Okay, have a hamster, and then the hamster already, one day hamster died. And then, uh, just a few months ago, uh, Karen and Ian went past a, hams- uh, a pet shop and then saw hamster on offers. Very, very cute hamster, $5 only. 
And then uh, sat down there. Ian said, Mommy, can I have a hamster? And this is very cheap, only $5. But the mother, very smart, they say, $5 a hamster is not expensive. It is what comes along with the hamster. You need to buy a cage. It says $10. You need to buy this, you need to buy that, you need to buy this, you need to buy that. Correct? Those of you who keep hamster, you know the other thing costs more than the hamsters. They say, no, 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 it's too expensive. After all, the last time hamster, we already give away the cage. I say, uh, you go and pray about it. I think Karen told me Ian did not pray about it. <laughs> he forgot about it. Then one day, she received a phone call from a friend. A friend said, Hey, I have a hamster. You want not? She said, uh, Karen said, uh, Hamster, uh, does it come with a cage? <laughs> if no cage, I don't want a hamster. She said, Yes, come with a cage. And she got a hamster and got a cage without us asking, got a hamster in a cage. And then I was having a dinner with Ian. And what? Then I suddenly remember, Hmm, this cage is too small. Let me give Jiwi a call. And I said, Jiwi, you, you still keep hamster. I remember you're keeping hamster. And he said, yes. Do you, uh, do you still keep hamster? No, no more hamster. Do you have the cage? He said, yes. Can I have the cage? He said, yes. <laughs> I went to the house. The, the present cage I have was so small. Her cage was, uh, mine was just a HDB rented. Hers was a condominium landed property kind of cage. And with that comes with all other supplies. You know, the take away the smell, all the other stuff. And God provide. Out of His grace, without us asking, God provide. And I remember another time where I prayed specifically for the Lord to provide. When I got married at the time, both Karen and I were in the ministry. We were not very rich. So we want to buy a flat. So we look around, second hand, uh, it's very expensive. All the nearby ones, very expensive. So we choose the most Ulu place I can find because it will be the cheapest and then it's closest to Malaysia. So I found Woodlands. Uh, Woodlands. At that time, there were no MRT. MRT only stopped at Yishun and Chuachukan. So every time I had to say, Karen, you, 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 you alight at Chuachuk- Yishun, okay? I go and pick you up from Yishun and I drive her back to, uh, to Woodlands. It was very far. So far, those of you who stay at Woodlands, sorry, no offense. So far, I got I stayed at Woodlands before. Until I invited our friends to my house. I said, can you come to my house in Woodlands? Said, Woodlands, ah, must bring passport not. What an insult, right? But after six years, we stayed there and we felt that we want our house to be a house of ministry, a place where convenience, where I can open up, people can meet for cell group, people can come, I can have mentoring time, people can have party, I can have evangelistic meeting. I want a place near the MRT. So I look around and I realize that Clementi is a good spot. So I begin to pray, God allow us, I, I pray for a specific amount of money that I can sell the house. And guess what? Somebody offered to pay the amount of money. And I told the person, you want to buy my house? Wait, let me find another house first. If I can find another house at Clementi near the MRT, then I'll sell you. Can you wait? The person said, okay. The person was willing to wait. I went to Clementi, I do prayer work. God, how about this flat? God, how about this flat? I pray, pray, pray. Finally, God found block 331. And I got that place. It was the, ex- the difference between the two houses only 10,000. Woodlands, but I, I, I have to settle for a smaller flat. And I enjoy living at Clementi. I've been there for, I think, 10 years already. God provided. I pray for the exact amount and God provided that amount. Our God is the God of provision. Our God is the God of providence. He can make things happen. He can make things happen. Let me share with you another story. I believe this story will encourage us. It's a, 
it's a bit, um, it's very miraculous. And I believe, uh, I share with you this not to think that, wow, oh, this only happened to the other people, that happened to But help you to understand that this thing happened for a reason. If this thing can happen, what are the mundane things that can happen in our lives? God is a providential God. I've been listening to this um, speaker called Ravi Zacharias regularly because it builds my faith. And he shared this story. In the, in the, uh, in the 70s, he ministered to, at, uh, at Vietnam. And at the time, there was a Vietnamese translator who travels with him. His name was called Hien. Travels with him. And then Vietnam fell. And then Hien was captured because they, were, they thought that he was a spy captured by the communists, uh, uh, the, the soldiers, the Viet Cong. And then that Ravi did not hear from Hien for 17 years. One day, he heard a phone call. He said, Brother Ravi, this is Hien. He said, Hien, I've never heard. How do you land up in the United States? Tell me your story. So he told the story. Perhaps some of you have heard the story. When he was in prison, they indoctrinate him with all the communist doctrines, all the atheism doctrines to tell him there's no God. Until he, one day he thought, maybe I was lied to by the Christians. Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe the West have deceived me. So he determined in his heart, tomorrow when I wake up, I will stop praying. I'm going to deny God. I'm not going to think anything about God. And the next morning, he wake up. He was given the job to clean the latrines, the toilets. And he was cleaning the latrines with all the dirty stuff there. And he saw the toilet paper. At the glance of his eye, he saw some printed words. He was not allowed to read at all. No literature during the time, particularly in English. So he saw some words. He took it, he washed it, and he kept it in his pocket. At night, before he go to sleep, under the cover of his blanket, he looked up the verse. That was the day where he decided to deny God. And he opened up that, that paper. It was written there, Romans chapter 8. The whole chapter. So he read the whole chapter, and he came to Romans 8.28. It says what? And we know that God works for good for those who loved Him. God works together for good. The providential God. And it ended up with, For I am convinced that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He wept and wept. He knew the Bible. There would be no other relevant, more relevant passage than this particular passage on the day when he decided to forsake God. He cried out to God for forgiveness. And every day he volunteered to clean the, latrine, the, the latrine. Because every day they use the Bible, the guards use the Bible to clean their business after they finish. And every day he'll go there, he take, he have a chance to read the Bible every day. And his faith was strengthened. And miraculously he was released from the prison through a providential set of circumstances. And he began to make plans to leave the country. The story didn't end there. He wanted to make plans. So together with 53 others, they make a plan to leave the country by a boat. Everything goes according to plan. Till a few days before the departure, he heard a knock from the Vyakon soldier. These are the communist soldiers. The communist soldier said to him, I heard that you all are making a plan to escape from this land on the boat. Is it true? 
hian light. No, 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 no such thing. And at night, his conscience pricked him. He realized that he had sinned against God. How can he lie? He said, God, if the soldier were to come back again the second time, I will tell the truth to show that I really repented. And true enough, the next day, the Vyatkon knocked. Is it true that you are building a boat to leave this tent? He admitted, yes. Yesterday I lied to you. I'm building a boat. I want to escape. And to his surprise, the Vyatkon said, we want to come with you. We want to come with you. So four Vyatkon soldiers joined him. And he said then, they managed to escape in the sea. There was a violent storm. And in the sea, he cried out to God, God, do you bring us here to die? They were safe. They landed up safely in Thailand. And he said this, he answered this, Brother Ravi, if not for the sailing ability of the four Viet Cong soldiers, we would have died in the sea. God has providentially provided the Viet Cong soldiers to go with him, with them, to save them. And later on, they end up in, in, in Thailand and then back and next to American soil. And today, Hian is still alive as a businessman. As you look at your life, does your circumstances today seem bleak? As if that things are not very favorable to you. Maybe your dreams are dashed, hope quashed, disappointments mounting, things around you seem to be working against you. Rest assured, our God is a God of providence. You can relax. He's working behind the scenes for you because He cares for you. He's orchestrating events around you to make things right for you so that you will know that He has a God who cares, so that His name will be glorified through you. The things may work out, may be ordinary things, may not be, may be an extraordinary thing, but it will work out for your good. That's our God. And the third one, the third miracle, that the miracle of raising of the widow's dead son. God wants to reveal Himself. He is a God of all possibilities. Therefore, we can pray for miracles. Miracles can happen. Let me read to you in chapter 17, verse 17, 24. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. He's dead. She said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me my son. Uh, Give me your son, sorry. Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord, O God, O Lord my God, Have you brought tragedy upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boys three times. He cried to the Lord, Oh Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down to the room, from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. The boy died. 
the boy died. And suddenly the woman's attitude changed from a gratitude to blame. He blamed Elijah. He blamed God. He had, she had forgotten God's provisions. God has saved their lives. Not just for Elijah. God also saved the, the, the widows and the son's life all this while. And Elijah was shocked too. This is training level three. Elijah was shocked too by what happened. In the past, before a calamity strikes, God already provided. Or at the time. This time, tragedy strike first. Struck first. And then God will do something about it. That's level two training. When mishap happened, will you continue to trust God? At the beginning, Elijah, even Elijah succumbed to blaming God. Verse 20. God, have you brought this tragedy for us? The widow was staying with a godly man, but that does not insulate her from tragedy from happening. Without warning, she turned against Elijah. And listen to her, her attitude. She was full with pessimism. But Elijah was full with optimism, believed that God. What did Elijah, how did Elijah respond? If you look at the verse, Elijah presented the problem to God. Before this incident, there was no record of anyone being raised from the dead from the time of Genesis. No. So there's this idea of resurrection of the dead. Totally, it's out of Elijah's mind. This is going to be the first miracle. He had been fed by the raven. He had provided by the supplies, in the uh, daily supplies. But no one has raised someone from the dead. And he's going to trust God for something totally out of, um, out of his own paradigm. But he had been trained level two. Level 1, level 2, now level 3, he was able to present the Lord. He lay flat before uh, the Lord and on top the boy. I believe this is a prophetic act of prayer of identifications. God may ask us to do some prophetic act of prayer, just like Moses lifting up his staff, Israelites walking around Jericho, Jesus spitting on the mud, pee, and then rub it on the person. These are all prophetic acts. And Elijah lied down on this particular boy. And God answered the prayer. But Elijah had to pray three times. God was preparing Elijah. And through the experience, Elijah knew from his heart that God is powerful. God is in control. God can be trusted. And that's what God did. Um, I remember last year we showed a movie called Faith Like Potatoes. Those of you who have watched the movie, you have seen that same similar incident. There was this guy called Angus Buckham who would say in South Africa, he was just a farmer. He was preaching the gospel to the people and the people say, if your God is so powerful, there was a boy there, he's dead, can you help the race from the dead? And he, out of fear and trembling, he went there, he prayed, he, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And God caused a miracle, the boy was raised from the dead. And later on, his own nephew, because of his accident, he knocked, he, he moved the tractor, he knocked down his own nephew. And the nephew died in the hospital. He prayed for the nephew, but God did not raise the nephew back to life. Because God was using the death to do something in his heart and his brother's heart. True faith in God does not exempt us from crisis. But in the midst of crisis, 
we can realize that God is the God of possibility. We can pray for miracles. God can work miracles for us. Therefore, we can hope in the Lord. Whatever the circumstances we are facing today, whether however bleak, however hopeless, I encourage you to persevere in prayer and watch the Lord for His miracles. He can use whatever means. Just like Elijah, you and I, we are born, we are called for a destiny. Dest- what kind of destiny? A destiny of living a life that will glorify the Lord. And to do the good works God has prepared for us. This is our destiny. To live a life that will glorify to the Lord and to do the good works God has planned for us. Every one of us have specific ones in your workplace, in your community, in your church, which is here, or in your family, or in your company. God has a destiny for you. For Elijah, it was to confront the king, confront the nations of idolatry and turning their hearts back to the one true God. For us, I'm not sure what it is. God has something for you. But just like Elijah, God brought through Elijah some training to reveal himself to him so that he knows God not just on the head, but experientially. Same thing, God is going to bring you through situations in your life to show that He is a God of providence, provisions. Therefore, you can have all you need. He is a God of providence. He go ahead of you. You can relax. He's a God of possibility. You can trust Him and pray for miracles, for miracles. That's our God. And today, I want to give the altar call for those of you who are going through a situation in your life that you think might seem impossible, might seem bleak, may seem hopeless to overcome. I encourage you to come and pray. Come to the altar, present your problem to the Lord and trust the Lord of provisions to provide for you. God of providence to work behind your back. God of possibility to answer your miracle. I invite the musicians to come and sing the song Hope of All Hearts. As the musicians prepare, where you are, ask yourself, what kind of schools of life God is bringing you through today? That God is training you. God is revealing more of Himself to you. Present your request to the Lord. God can overcome whatever odds. God can provide for you. Shall we rise? Let's sing this song. Let's sing once. And then later on, I'll open the place for altar.